0: Father, I thank you for your word, um, that it is truth, um, for your life. Um, I pray for just grace upon the message today. I pray that your love be upon us. Lord, open up the idea and the thoughts of Christmas. Lord, your incarnation, Lord, incarnate in Latin, in the flesh, that you come in the flesh. I thank you, Lord. You're so faithful to us. That you did, like we talked last week, Lord, you came to save us from our sins. And that's what we need, Lord. We can't pretend like we don't have any sins. And yet we don't want to be overwhelmed with guilt either because you didn't come to condemn us, but you came to save us, Lord. So I pray that you would deliver us. And I pray this message as I communicate about you, who you are, rise, Lord, in our minds. Let a light shine upon it. In Jesus' name, if you agree, can you say amen? amen. You know, we have uh, Jesus, the giver. That's been our, our title here. And, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this incarnation and what it's all about and who Jesus is. And, I, you know, I was reading something. Someone forwarded me the Ten Commandments of the Atheist. Um, and, I, and I thought, boy, in, the, in January sometime, I'm going to tackle that list. How many think that would be fun? <clears throat> right? Uh, because, some and I, you know, I, some, many people don't know, but I was raised an atheist. I was not raised in the church. Um, I never got to do this kind of stuff in the church. Um, I didn't come to Christ until I was 23. And the first time I ever went into any church at all, I, I was um, 18. And, that, um, and I was stoned. And I went into a, a church that some gal at our school invited me to. And it wasn't until I was 23 um, that I actually heard the gospel for the first time. And no one had ever shared with me, and I had met people who were Christians around me, um, but they had never shared with me before. Um, So I thought, um, when God got a hold of me, I thought, I always want to be somebody who shares the gospel on a regular basis. Do you guys agree with that? I really want to get to this heart of this Jesus the giver, and I want to talk about Jesus gives us peace during the Christmas season. He gives us peace, and it's not just a, um, you know, let's burn some incense, relax in our favorite chair, uh, you know, put on Lord of the Rings, that'd be my idea of a sense of peace, and, um, and, and sit there and watch Return of the King and go, yes, Aragorn, take out your sword and cut off a few heads. Um, <clears throat> that's not really the sense of peace that I'm talking about. The peace that God gives us is that there is a built-in enmity between us and God. And it's not that God made us with the, the desire to sin. He made us as free creatures, and these free creatures made choices and how many have sinned before raise your hand did did the devil make you do it or would you take some culpability and say i did it just turn to someone and say that's right you did it okay so so if you if you get that out of the way then you realize that we've sinned and we believe in a sense of justice we believe that there is such a thing as right or wrong you know that that And one of the Ten Commandments of the Atheist, by the way, is that we can inherently be good. I'm sorry, Atheist, but without a sense of what is good, then you cannot determine whether you actually have been good or not. Right? Because you can't just make up what's good because it can't be subjective. It has to be objective. Right? And God has a sense of wrong. Like, how many know that lying or stealing is wrong? Right? There's, There's no universe where that's right. I'm not talking about someone lying to protect somebody where they're hidden or something like that with Rahab. I'm just talking about there's a sense of good and there's a sense of evil. And if there is a moral law, then there's a moral law giver. And the moral law who's the moral law giver is the one who gives us a sense of right and wrong, and we can admit that we have violated or fallen short of it. Now, God's redemptive plan is that he would have to have someone substitute For our sins. In other words, if someone were to come on the earth and not sin and not take the benefit of what not sinning would accomplish, but take the consequences instead of those who did sin, that would be an atonement. They would cover the sins of the other. Now, my father sinned, and then I came around, and then I sinned, and then I had kids, and guess what? They sinned too. And I have a feeling that my grandkids might sin. How many think your great-grandkids probably sinned, if, if you're not old enough? But how many think they probably will? And how many know that you're not going to have to teach them? You know, let me teach you how to sin. This is what you do. When I tell you to do something, just say no. You know, I know you don't know how to do it, but i got to teach you sin. How many know kids know how to sin just quite on their own, right? It, they have their own creative ways to do it. And, and we put boundaries and restriction, but you can't change the heart. You know, the heart has to happen on the inside. And, and what happens is, is that we need this compensation. So God came up with the plan, and it wasn't like this plan was a last-minute thing. Oh, my gosh, they sinned. Let's solve it. God knew this plan that he'd make free creatures and that they would have free will and eventually that he would redeem mankind. This was his plan from eternity past. So that in the future, no matter who you were and how you lived, the redemption of God would always cover you and second of all, also change you. And I don't want to just be forgiven of my sin, but I do. But I want to be changed away from my sin. Do I hear an amen? Amen. I want to be transformed. I want to be rescued. I want to be saved from the sin that's killing me. And I want to be restored. Now, when you hear about the story of Jesus, you kind of think of Jesus Christ. He's some guy in the mythical past. He sort of he lived, and he said he was God. Maybe he was God, and we don't know. And you know, I guess he didn't sin, but he's kind of a religious figure, and they kind of sort of put him on pier with all the other religious figures. But Jesus is more than this. If, if there was a God who was transcendent, invisible, how would He be made visible? And the way that is, is the word incarnation, or the way the scripture says in John 1.14, the word became flesh. Now, here's where that scripture starts. In the beginning, can everyone say, was? Yes. That's before. Was the word. Now, we know in Genesis, it starts off, I made this point a couple weeks ago, in the beginning, God created. But this is before the beginning. In the beginning, can everyone say, was? Yes. Was. Was was the word that's the Greek word say it with me logos logos, logos. He's, the, he's the idea he's the concept he is the one who is in essence God but we don't know anything about him yet so let's finish the sentence in the beginning can everyone say was, was. he was the word and the word can everyone say was with was. he was with God and then say and the word can everyone say was, was. God. God the word was God In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, right? And then I'm not going to cover this whole part, but then it says there was John, and he comes, and he is not himself, is not the light, but he comes as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every man. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. But to those who received him, he gave the right... Or the authority to become children of God. And people often ask, what kind of authority do you have to be a Christian? I have the authority because I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's the authority that I get. Amen? Yes. Now, the incarnation, again in Latin, and you probably get this if you eat enchiladas and stuff. <laughs> Incarne means in flesh, in the flesh, or becoming in flesh. Jesus is both truly God and truly man. Now, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. And so Mary, if if we start thinking about a human, the human has to save the human. But God, Jesus here, is God who is both human, putting on humanity, and yet also being divine. Not half human and half divine, but the Scripture in its full revelation is fully man and fully divine. And people often wonder what the genetics of Jesus might have looked like, because usually there's some combination of DNA, but the Holy Spirit is not tangible, so whatever DNA it is, it's mixed with Mary, which makes it a unique DNA. And that's why the Bible says in Hebrews, he comes in the order of Melchizedek, where he's on the scene and then he disappears. There's no genetic line. And of course, people write Da Vinci Code and other things that Jesus had kids. But that, that, there's no proof of that. And the Bible clearly says that didn't happen. And all the early writers deny that to be. So I'm not going to hear some, someone written in the two, year 2013 or 12 when Da Vinci Code came out. I'm going to take the early New Testament writers where we have uh, over 5,000 manuscripts of the New Testament fragments to full copies all the way through 20,000 if you want to include not just the original Greek how many think that's a pretty good body of evidence okay we don't have photocopies that's because they didn't have photocopies and Jesus didn't want to come this year he wanted to come back then and he wanted technology to run the way it wanted to run now God Jesus is God plus human nature he's not God minus some kind of divinity he is both fully God and fully man. And it says, and the word became what? Flesh. Okay, there it is again, Latin incarnate. He becomes in the flesh. He puts on matter or mass. And, and, and in, some people could use, you could use Einstein's equation of E equals MC squared in order for the energy to be active, him to be in the world, to enter into a space-time concept. It has to be the mass Times c squared, which it becomes the concept of space time. You, if you take the m out of that equation, then the e is gone too. Right? Because zero times c squared equals nothing. So, in order to be able to be in our universe, according to the theory of special relativity, means that you have to have the m. And Jesus puts on, can everyone say matter? Can everyone say flesh? Can you say incarne? The Word, this Logos, who was the Word, was with God, who was God. This Word becomes flesh. The eternal Son of God. The Father did not become flesh. The Spirit did not become flesh. But the Son became flesh. How many say amen? Amen. Now, theologians write all kinds of books about the incarnation, big long books. But John epitomizes it really in just one word. And the word became flesh, and can everyone say dwelt? He dwelt. That's that word for tabernacle. It's the Greek equivalent to what we have in the Old Testament, the the tabernacle or the tent. It represented the presence of God in the Old Testament when they built the temple that was a representation of what Christ would accomplish for us not in the tent or not in the temple, actually, but what it would spiritually do for us. It was a visual word picture for us. Now, Jesus tented himself or tabernacled himself in a humanity. He put on a humanity like us so that he could die for us. How many think this is pretty good news? Okay, now he didn't come as an angel. That means that the angels who sinned Are still going to be held accountable throughout eternity. They are not redeemed. I mean, I don't know if you realize how incredible this is, but if Jesus comes in the form of a donkey or comes in the form of a horse or in the form of a dog and dies for Lassie or whoever, that is way different than him putting on humanity and dying for us. But we are the first and only creatures. That God said He makes in His own image. You are made in the image of God. Wow. Isn't that awesome? You know, I know, we live in a depressed culture. There's all kinds of things that can depress us. Someone doesn't believe in you, you have a bad relationship, you get discouraged, your job's not going the way you want it to go. all kinds of number of ways that we can happen. a boss that doesn't care, care about you or like you, all kinds of things. spouse, you're getting a distance and now you don't feel like your relationship's that strong. You get a little discouraged. But if you think about this, every once in a while you sit back and relax and you start to enjoy life and you think, wow I can see beauty. I can enjoy life. I I have a sense of purpose. I have a sense of calling. I'm, I'm alive. I can perceive you. You can perceive me. I can interact. I can see the world. I'm made in the image of God with emotions. The only thing that's missing in the difference between me and God is two things. One, He is the original creator and I never will be. I will always be creation. Do I hear an amen? Amen. That's why He says, I am God and there is no other. There is no God formed before me nor shall there be any after me. This is the power of of the gospel is that He makes us in His image and then He pays for us and fills us with the Spirit. And even though we have sinned, we're forgiven for it, and God begins to weed it out of our lives, and he starts to restore us. And we start to get that sense of what life would be like with God forever. I start to enjoy the fruits of the Spirit. What would love be like? What is joy like? What is peace like? What is goodness like? What is kindness like? And instead of faking it, like I take some Tony Robbins class, I'm not thinking it's Tony Robbins, but you take some class to try to fake it, What if God were able to change that for real? How many think this is a good idea? This is the power of God, okay? So, since the children have flesh and blood, that's talking about us, he too, this is Jesus, shared in their humanity. So he put on this humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery. By what? By their fear of death. Because death represents the judgment for us. That, that time of death, the Bible says we'll all die once. But then the Bible says there'll be a second death. And the second death is one of judgment. But those who know Christ, those who, who ask for the forgiveness in Christ, the Bible says there will be no judgment. this is so good, isn't it? We are spared from that judgment and we are forgiven. We are spared from the judgment because we enter into the judgment that already fell on Christ and he overcame the judgment and he was found righteous. So think about it. Jesus, omnipotent creator of all things, every single thing, in one instant in the incarnation makes himself a breakable being. He who was spirit, all of a sudden becomes pierceable or crucifiable. He who is larger than the universe just becomes an embryo and enters into our world. He sustains the world with just a word, and he chooses to be dependent on Mary, uh, and, you know, on her breath and her caregiving. This is humility. I'm going to enter into the world like you, this isn't Jesus who just kind of was a kind of a good kid who made the right, choose the right choices. He was a kid who was God incarnate, the word who became flesh. This is very good news. Now it says here in John 1.18, it continues in that beginning of the gospel, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who's at the father's side has made him known. It's that one and only there is a word called monogamous, which is mono gene, a unique gene. There's no one like him. The genetics of the Father, of the Spirit, and the genetics of Mary, who is a descendant of the Son of God who makes Adam right at the beginning. This is an incredible thing for us. So God who's invisible, and man is visible. This God-man, Jesus Christ, with two natures, makes himself available to us. Now, remember, Jesus says, because when they're, they're asking him, are you God, they're, they're asking him, and they're saying, you're, you're talking to us about Abraham like you know him. And he says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, say it with me, say, I am. I am, I am. I am. And in Moses in Exodus, you see the same thing. He, Moses comes up to the mountain and gets a revelation of God. And he says, who are you? Who should I say you sent me? And he says, I'll tell you who you, who you want to say who sent you. Tell him I am sent you. Well, who are you? I am who I am. God is present everywhere. He's not just in the past. He's not just in the future. He is I am no matter where he is. How many say Amen. Uh, two more scriptures here. Colossians 1.19, it says, God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Christ. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So in 1 Timothy, says it this way. There is, say it with me, one God. One God. How many gods? One. Okay, there's one God and there's one what? Mediator. How many mediators? One. There's one mediator between God and mankind One God and one mediator between God and mankind. Who is that God and mediator? The man who? Christ Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all people. Now, the ideal mediator between two people, if you have this group and you have that group, is that you have something in common with both groups. That's the best mediator. And Jesus is the mediator between those groups. God and man. And he mediates the cross represents the mediation that he accomplished. All the promise, the fulfillment and payment for sin, and more than just the cross, it has to be an empty cross because the cross represents by itself, without Christ on it represents that he rose again and conquered sin and death. These are the attributes of Jesus of God and the right man. He is worshiped, and yet under man he worshiped the Father. He was called God. And in Mark 15, 39, he's called man. He was called the son of God. He was called the son of man in John nine thirty five. He's prayed to a man. He's prayed to the father. God, he's sinless, but yet he was tempted on the other side. He knows all things, but as a man, he grew in wisdom. As God, he gives us eternal life. Man, he dies. All the fullness of deity dwells in him. And on the right, he has a, a body of flesh and bones. And so here, here, here it is before we get, I want to get to the pragmatics here, is we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Who? Jesus, Jesus Christ. You know, the Old Testament God would say over and over again, there is no Savior besides me. There isn't any. And who is the great Savior of the world? Jesus Christ. He's a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let's get to the heart of it. How many want to find some peace with Jesus Christ? Come on, you want to find some peace in this time of year. I hope I hope that you do. That that's from the movie. There, I, I like. I, isn't that a great picture. That's just a great picture. I don't I don't know if they were that good looking. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know I I know that Jesus was ugly. I don't know if you knew that but there was nothing in his appearance that attracted us to him, you know? So if you're looking for the cool surfer-looking Jesus, he doesn't exist. And I I really think that's true because if he was the good-looking Jesus, you know, then maybe every woman might follow him. (laughs) They go, man, he's good-looking. Look at that Jesus, man. Jesus like, how you doing, guys? You know, come follow me. Come on. But the, but the Bible says that there is an inner attraction about Christ that draws us near to him. There was nothing in his appearance that attracted us to him. He was despised, they read it in the play, and rejected. A man of sorrows, right? A man who takes upon us the sins. Now, when the incarnation comes in, this is where I'm gonna focus in on my closing here. When the incarnation happens, There is it starts with the shepherds. They're the first ones. Shepherds in the in the times of Christ was pretty much a low life job. It's pretty much who can we get to do this? It wasn't that they weren't gifted because they were, but low income, servant oriented for sure. And here we get, I want you to understand that right when this gospel hits and the incarnation Jesus is born he becomes in the flesh the the first witnesses outside of the family the royal family is the shepherds they immediately get the message and here and here is here's where we go now and i want you to understand number 1 god knows where i'm living okay how many knows god god knows exactly where you live he knows exactly where you are these does it say that these shepherds were super holy like God was looking all through Israel and found these super holy shepherds. This is why God finds the stoner, partiers, losers, and he puts them on the stage and says, They're going to preach the gospel so you know that it's by grace. Do I hear an amen? amen? Amen. Don't just laugh. It's not just me. We could put you up here and you could be the donkey, too. <laughs> the donkey carries Jesus but doesn't understand him. he's just a donkey. Okay? And God knows where I'm living, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flock at night, okay? So he knows where I'm living. So listen, from one man, he made every man, nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. And you may not realize this, but God knows exactly where you should be. I know you might be thinking, "Oh no, no, I control it. You don't control it as much as you think you control it. God's in charge, and he's put you Miraculously, where you need to be. And I believe you're here on purpose. I do. I believe you're here in this on purpose. So number two, God knows how to get my attention. So these shepherds are out there. They're just minding their own business, doing their own thing just like I was. I was in a rock and roll band doing my own thing. Pete, you know, who plays guitar here often, him and I were in a band together for years and years. And we're, doing a, we're recording an album and an album, you know, they still call it that. We're making eight tracks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, 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 and God knew how to get a hold of me. I mean, I was working at a guitar center at the time, and someone walked in, and one at a time, people would come up to me and they'd go, you know, I'm praying for you. I'm going, thank you. Is that good? I mean, what, do you just close your eyes and say good things about me? Like, why are you thinking about me? You know? I had people later tell me that they would stand on the side of the guitar center, lay their hands on the wall and pray for me. Seriously. I had a pastor, when I told him that i had come to Christ, he saw that I'd come to Christ broke into tear. He said, man, I can't believe it. He goes, you know how long I've prayed for you? You know? I got people on my Facebook page that go, Eric, every time I see that you're pastoring, I can't believe it. God really gets the losers, doesn't he? (laughs) I'm like, yes, he does. Did you know that I could not even remember the day before? Jody will tell you. It's like, what, what, what day is it today? I don't, I don't know. And I'm not talking about I didn't care. My brain cells were so hosed, I could not remember anything. God restored my brain. Now I can do my times tables all the way up to 12. I mean, I am amazing. <clears throat> amen. An angel of the Lord. Listen, he knows where you are. Do I hear Amen. amen. He knows how to get your attention. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. God got a hold of me. He found some way to get a hold of me. An angel of the Lord appeared for him, a messenger of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. And if you have an encounter with God, trust me, there are two things that will happen. One, you'll be totally terrified because of the fact that God's presence is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And on the other hand, there is a complete love and peace that accompanies it where God is saying, I'm on your side. And how does he say that? He says it through Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Now, he knows how to get my attention. Number three, when he gets there, he has news, good news, and emotions, good emotions to give me. Amen? How many need some good news today? And, and, and you may not think it's practical today, but I'm telling you, if you embrace your forgiveness today, you will have such a peace. And if you extend it to others the way it's been given to you, you'll have peace as well. It'll be a multiplied peace. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. And here's the message. God finally comes down, brings a message to the people. That's for all the people. He says, I bring you, say it with me, Good news. By the way, this isn't bad news. This would be bad news. This would be religion, which Jesus is always against. This would be religion. Hey, guys. You go, what's, what's up? I'm Jesus Christ. I'm, or I'm the angel. I want to tell you something. What? Yeah. You're all in trouble. Why? Uh, you've been sinning, especially you. Well, and you. Uh, pretty much it's all of you guys. So I'm bringing judgment. There'll be lightning here in about five minutes. I just want to give you guys some time to say goodbye to each other but if you start coming to church regularly, I'll forgive you. And if you give money, I'll give you my sweat handkerchief and you can also, listen, how many think this would be bad news? Okay, how about this one? Okay, I'm sorry, I figured out you're all sinning. If you stop, I'll forgive you. Stop. There's the good news. Stop. How many have tried to stop sinning and still find yourself sinning? You know that Paul writes and he goes, why do I keep doing what I don't want to do? I see the good, it's right there. And he goes, but I keep on doing the stuff I don't want to keep doing. How many know that we need redemption? We need an eternal forgiveness that's not just the moment. This is why it doesn't matter if you're a heroin addict or you're a prostitute or you're some kind of prideful, arrogant, religious person who still sins and your whole family knows it and you're the only one that doesn't know it. You know, until you go to your room and look in the mirror and go, huh, oh. right? And you can't believe it and you're crying because, man, I'm trying so hard. Maybe your trying isn't good enough. Why do you think God sent his son? Do you think he's wasting his time? You think he just goes, well, I don't know. I know they can do it themselves, but maybe they can't. So for a few of them, I'll die. Or does he have good news? Say it with me good news. And this should be, I'm telling you, it will cause, if you get it, it will cause, say it with me, great joy. joy. Listen, when you're a total loser and you find out that your life's been redeemed, it's yes! Right? I mean, I'm telling you, I spend most of my pastoral time convincing people that what stupid thing they just did is actually forgiven. And they'll hide it. Did you do wrong? You do marriage counseling. Are you wrong? Well, I don't know. It's mostly her, but I don't know. I tried. You know, well, you know, I know he did. I'm a good wife, but, you know, he's kind of a jerk, you know. I'm going, why don't you guys just go, how's it going? I'm a loser. Not a good husband. How about you? Eh, mediocre. Not that good. But you guys want more love? Well, we have some love. Why don't you give up on your own love and find the love of God? Do I hear an Amen. It is so much better. It's good news that will cause great joy. And for who? Can you say all? all? All the who? All the angels? All the people. All the people. It's for all the people. People often ask if I'm a Calvinist. so oh, I'm not because of that. I do believe God is sovereign. But can I tell you? God brings you good news. He died for you. He became the flesh like you to bring you good news. And that good news, if you receive it, will cause great joy. Listen, I'm going to say it to you. Your sins are forgiven. No, seriously. Your sins are forgiven. Say it to somebody. Can you do this? Can you go, (laughs) what? What? Now, some people will say, well, you can't just forgive people their sins. Then they'll just sin some more. Listen, do you think God's forgiveness is really just in the moment? Or do you think that God can look at your life and forgive you? Can I tell you the last thing I wanted to do when I was forgiven is, all right, we're forgiven. Let's go sin big time now. How many know that because your sins are forgiven, you have peace, say it with me, peace, you have peace with God and you're reconciled and the spirit comes upon you and he begins to change your life on the inside out not religion incarnation just as the spirit dwelt in Christ he says as the father sent me now I'm sending you and my spirit will be in you reminding you of all the things that I said what I'm about I'll guide you into all truth This is the love of God. If I didn't need the Spirit, then I could just do it in myself. I don't need to help the Spirit. How many know the Spirit's doing pretty good on its own? That's why I need to be saved. How many are getting something out of this? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now listen, we have this. God has good news and emotions. Good news that causes great joy. Now number four, God has fulfilled all the promises He made. And this is the promise. I I, I preached on this last week. This will be a sign to you. The prophecy is 30, almost, almost, I'm sorry, 2,700, 2,800 years ago from here. That's how long it goes. It's a real simple sign. God doesn't go, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to do all kinds of really fancy stuff, but do this, and these rainbows are going to come down, and then these bullets are going to come down, and then these ninja guys are going to come out, ninja stars. He doesn't say that. He just says, this will be a sign to you. There'll be a virgin that has a baby. You won't believe it. That's what he says. You won't believe it, but it's true. And look what he says. This will be a sign to you. This is the sign to the shepherds. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, cloths and lying in a manger. That's the fulfillment. It's simple. It's exactly the answer we need. And let me tell you something. God's good news is beyond this world, number five. Listen what happens. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appear with the angel. So, so, you have this angel speaking them this incredible news, and the Bible says that some transcendent life world m- reveals itself, whether they saw them physically or they just sense the presence of the angelic world. It says that when they heard this good news, they confirmed it to the shepherd with a glorious an, an um, appearance of their power and their praise to God they praised God saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth listen peace to those on whom his favor rests I hope that this gospel that I said to you you won't take it and brush it off and go okay I'm going to Denny's seriously Oh, man, i got to go see the Broncos play. Great, see the Broncos play. I'm going to watch it too. But listen, don't let this message of good news leave you. Let it rest on you. Believe the message. Amen? Amen. Why don't you close your eyes? I'm going to give you a chance to respond. We don't give messages without the ability to respond. Listen, (laughs) Jesus says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. I don't give like the world gives. God's not going to take this back. He's not going to take it back just because you can't remember everything perfectly. But if you want to put your faith in Christ, just with your eyes closed, whether you've done it before or not, I'm asking if you want to respond to say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. Lord, I need the forgiveness for my whole life, not just for yesterday or last week or last year. I need it for the future too. I need your redemption, your restoration. Thank you for paying for my sins. If that's you all across this room, will you just raise both hands to God? Both hands. Just say, Lord, I surrender to your good news. And just allow the peace of God to fall on you. Let the peace, Lord, let your peace fall upon each person right now. And just thank the Lord. This is called by faith. You say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving it to me thank you for giving me your peace, your joy, your life, your goodness. And Lord, we thank you for Christmas, Lord, that you have, that the war between us and you, that's not instigated by you, it's instigated by us, our sinfulness. That peace treaty has been signed. And the war is over. Nothing we do will be held against us. And Lord, we want to cease fire. And we want to submit to you. And I thank you for the Christmas season, Lord. I pray that you'd bless every loneliness, Lord, that people go through. Remind them, Lord, that you've redeemed their heart, that they don't have to be the victim, that you can make them the conqueror. Make them the conqueror this season. Those dealing with discouragement or depression, give them a sense of courage, Father. Love for the people around. Those who are friendless, Lord, I pray that you'd show them how to be a friend. And, Lord, parents, would you strengthen them, Lord? They work so hard being parents. Nobody sees it. Their kids don't even see it. But you see it. Would you bless every mom, Lord, who's given their heart out for their kids? Would you also, moms, receive the forgiveness of the Lord? You feel like you're just condemning yourself. Say, I don't need to be condemned. I'm forgiven. Just receive their forgiveness. Moms receive. I know this is the Lord. Just receive the forgiveness. Say, I'm forgiven. God's got my kids. Just trust him with them. And Lord, we just submit our whole hearts to you in Jesus' name. How many say amen?